Welcome to Politics and Prose, the podcast focused on people and politics. Gail Dudley, the audacious advocate, is an author and activist committed to evoking an awakening that compels people and communities to move beyond the status quo. Gail has created a platform to introduce fresh voices through interviewing guests who are relevant to everyday life. Politics and Prose will also share aggregated political data and present it in a way that takes communities from being informed to taking action. New episodes air on Fridays. Make sure to follow Gail on Instagram, Twitter, and post.news at Gail Dudley. And subscribe to her YouTube, www.youtube.com slash Gail Dudley. Tune in to be informed and make sure to subscribe to Politics and Prose wherever you listen to podcasts so that you don't miss an episode. Now let's get into it. Welcome, everyone. I am your host, Gail Dudley, the audacious advocate, author, and activist committed to introducing you to fresh new voices through interviewing guests who are relevant to everyday life. Thank you for joining us today as we speak to Dominic Dudley. Yes, she is my daughter on the topic of your life as a account manager. So welcome, Dominic. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Let's talk to all of our listeners out there. As y'all can tell, I talk about her often on News in Motion, but here on Politics and Prose, I am so excited that I get to interview her. Um, for this segment. So please, please, please tune in, share it with your loved ones, and let's get started. So with that, Dominic, can I just jump in and start asking you questions or or what? Go for it. Ah, yay. Um, can you start by giving us, the, the listeners, an overview of your role as an account manager and what that entails on a day-to-day basis? Sure. I mean, I'm an account manager for a specific client and my day-to-day is a combination between account managing and project management. Um, Sometimes in the corporate world, those roles are split up, but in my current position, I do a little bit of both. Um, My particular title, however, is as an account manager. My day-to-day is a lot of interaction and face-to-face time with our client. We get a lot of different project requests. Specifically, I'm on our creative team. So we develop a lot of the brand campaigns and creative for our client. And once those project requests come in, it's my role to decipher what the actual request is, decide who's going to work on it, come up with the budget, hold kickoff calls with our client just to kind of like make sure we understand the ask. And then from there, once our estimate goes out to them, they get a chance to review and approve. I run the project from start to completion. So that's taking like proofs of the creative we put together, sending it to the client, going over any questions they have, um, and then taking client feedback and giving that back to my team so that they can make edits and things like that. Um, It's a lot of quality assurance, quality control, making sure we're actually doing what they want us to do. And then um, once everything is like finalized and approved, delivering those final files to the client. Hey, I like that. Um, Do you ever find that you run into, um, 
not necessarily not necessarily conflict, but more of a push and pull or tug from time to time with your clients? And if so, what does that look like? All the time. <laughs> All the time. All right. Give me, give me, give me some feedback on that. There's a lot of small business owners tuning in. There's a lot of entrepreneurs tuning in. There's a lot of people who run corporate uh, uh, corp, uh, organizations or nonprofit organizations. And I think that they would really love to hear about that because this month of October that we're doing this particular podcast, we were really trying to build people up, their businesses and so forth, and getting people to get an understanding of different contracts and accounting and businesses that are out there? Well, the the issues that I run into is more so just like trying to get the client to understand our process, the timeline that things are going to have, the turnaround times, um, and why things cost the way that they do. Everything that we do has someone's hands on it, and we have to be able to pay them for their time. Um, and I think a lot of our clients come into it expecting a certain price. Um, and sometimes it just doesn't turn out to be that way. Um, for example, I mean, I, I actually dealt with it today or yesterday where we sent off an estimate to a client and they came back and they were really just trying to understand like why it was as high as it was. And I had to give them a breakdown of like, well, we spend about this much time per number of items you need created from there. There's time to like check it. There's my involvement, my team's involvement, um, just a lot of hands that touch it to make sure that it is of good quality. Um, and I mean, they ended up understanding, but like, I mean, that's just a small example out of a few other things that like pop up on a day to day. So um I mean, yeah, there, that, there's a lot of push and pull and, you know, a lot of discussions that get raised and like really just trying to like explain why things are the way that they are. Um, I work for a larger corporation, but when you're getting into like smaller businesses, I would just caution or urge that whatever business or person you're contracting time for to get a strong understanding of what their rates are and the quality that you're getting for the rate. Um, and then uh, get a strong understanding of like what the actual turnaround times are. If there's something that you need in a shorter time, like there's going to be a rush fee in most cases. Um, and understand that like when you are rushing someone who's contracted to do some work for you, that there's a chance that in that rushed period of time, the quality may not be as good. So it's better to plan ahead of time if you can, um, just to avoid things like that. And and you being my daughter, you know quite often that I'm always at the last minute pulling something together because of my vision. What would you tell somebody like me who can wake up one morning like, oh, I have this vision. I want to make this happen. I want it to roll out in the next two weeks. What would you say to someone like me? Um, to be realistic, like I think there are instances where something like that can work out, but there's a lot of frustrations that come with a rushed project. And just because you want it 
to happen doesn't mean it's always going to, or it's, it's potentially not going to look the way that you want it to. Um, or the flip side of that, if it's going to happen, usually there's a higher cost for um, something like that getting done. So I, the more time you can dedicate to um, perfecting what it is that you're looking for, I think the better. Um, and if it's something that you really do care about, like in my mind, I would think you would want to wait and let that time be longer in order for it to look the way that you actually want it to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you mentioned earlier that you are doing both uh, account management and project management. Mm -hmm. And in some roles, those are separate, but in yours, they're together. Um, is that ideal for most, for someone to have both of those roles? Do they fit hand in hand or can you speak um, to that? They definitely are hand in hand with each other. Um, you can't have account management really without project management. The reason that they're usually split up, um, and I guess it depends on like the size of the corporation, but the reason that they're typically split up is because it's, it's a lot of task for someone to handle. Um, ideally, my role would be split with somebody else, but it's just the way that it is right now. Um, the difference between like an account manager is usually like the overhead of the account and the project that's coming in. Um, you tend to see more account management roles more in the sales position. So it's a lot more of like that face-to-face -face with the client, figuring out what they need going over, like I said, the cost estimates, the budget, um, and then suggesting things that might work for them. Whereas the project manager is usually doing the day-to-day -day details of managing the project, making sure that, um, you know, things are getting done in a timely fashion, um, doing some of like the nitty gritty behind the scenes stuff. Um, so that's where it gets to be a little bit of a lot if you're doing that as well as trying to manage like client expectations and like talking to the client and um, just handling that day to day. Gotcha. I have more questions, but, but you just opened up another door. And since I'm your mom, I'm going to ask this question. You went to school for something completely different. How did you find yourself in this role and... You seem to love it. Just You just seem to light up when you even talk about it. I wouldn't say I went to school for something completely different. I went to school for communications. So I still, to some extent, fall within the line of what I went to school for. Um, my concentration was in public relations. So I think when I first went into my major like I had this idea that like I was gonna work on um things with like celebrities or anything like that where you hear a lot about like publicists or writing like press releases and things like that um which I mean I did enjoy at the time but I I feel like my current role still kind of fits into the communications world um well specifically the PR world from a perspective of like working on like brand campaigns and things like that. Um, 
However, I got more into the creative account management space when I was working at my last company. Um, and I got hired to be an account manager, but um, I, I don't think I fully understood what I was like signing up for. And I just happened to like it. Uh, I used to do a little bit more of like the analytics and marketing aspect of it, but just through shifts and changes of my roles, um, it just kind of shifted more towards the creative space. And I like the creative space, so it, it worked out accordingly. That's cool. That's cool. And, and um, for those of you who do not know, um, I did not have an extensive bio for um, Dominic, but she graduated from Howard University out of Washington, D.C. in 2016. So I just wanted to hear that. So thank you for sharing that. Um, and so if anyone's listening in, this may be the time if you have college students or even high school seniors or college graduates that they're out there trying to pinpoint, you may want to share this particular podcast. That's what we're doing this month. We're really trying to help people navigate um, where they're headed, what they're doing and, and why. And to understand you may be going in one direction, but you may end up somewhere else that you absolutely love. So Dominic, building strong relationships with customers um, to my understanding, it's a key aspect of an account management job, pub, um, project manager's job. How do you go about establishing and maintaining these relationships effectively? Well, I mean, first, doing my job well. <laughs> um, <laughs> that was easy. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it, and that sounds like like that's not to be cocky or anything, but you have to do your job well in this sort of position because when you don't, you get a lot of complaints or client feedback that comes back and actually does affect you and your position. Um, so I feel like I have a lot of conversations with my manager just about keeping up with the client and letting them know like how things are going, even if it's not going well, just being like transparent with them so that they're not looking for you or kind of in the dark about like what's going on with their particular project. Um, I have been kind of fortunate enough to like be a people person to some extent. So you get that from me. <laughs> my manager has kind of like put me in a position where I'm taking on more of like the leadership of calls even outside of my particular projects because um, I mean she's noticed I do it well so some of our like general all hands meetings with our clients like I am the person leading those so a lot of people see my face or hear my voice and know that if they're looking for something or if they need something done that they can come directly to me um and I've just kind of like established that relationship with some of like our partners where even if it's not a project that would typically be my responsibility they do come to me 
and I put them in the right place to talk to the right person, or I can just take on the project myself if it's something that I have the capability of doing. And then with some clients, a lot of the project requests that we get, they're repetitive. So if I've worked on the project previously, like they know who I am, it's a little bit more familiar for them where, again, they can reach out to me and know like most likely I can take on the project and handle it. Um, and then like in my particular position with our particular client, we have partners that are in-house with that client. So the account managers on their side that are in-house, I have direct relationships with them too, because I'm talking to them all the time, every day. Um, and we kind of have a better understanding because we're both account managers. So like we know what each other is going through on the other side and we can kind of like ease both the client side and our internal side. So, yeah. Yeah. I like that. So I'm going to get a little personal. Um, <laughs> but let's talk about, I don't want, you don't have to reveal your age on this podcast, but do you find it difficult as a millennial working with some people in the job that you do? Cause it sounds like you have some, uh, uh, high responsibility, which I say kudos to you for that. And I do take um, credit for you being a people person. Um, but do you ever find, do you ever run into difficulty with people because of your age, but you're <laughs> actually brilliant with what you do? So, and how do you navigate that? I don't run into issues per se with people like I mean having an issue with my age I think nine times out of ten most people think I'm older than I actually am so in most cases I think people just kind of generally assume that I am in their age group but that being said I do work with a lot of other millennials um, who are closer to my age and on the higher scale of the millennial yeah um, so <laughs> I, I think because I'm working with people who are generally in my age group, like I don't necessarily run into that, um, where I find more issues for myself is more so like if something's not going the right way for a client, they tend to want to go to my superior and think that that's going to be an easier resolve. Um, but thankfully my manager backs me and pretty much everything, unless I'm like just outright not correct, or there's a better way that I could have done something nine times out of 10, my manager backs me. So I run into more of that than anything. Okay. Um, I was going to go into some sticky ground. I'll just touch it just a little bit. Do you ever run into when dealing with clients? we're talking about relationships that may be male clients. Do you find that being a female is hard to navigate or do you not run into that? And if you say no, I, I think that's just amazing. Surprisingly, I think I have maybe interacted with a male client like 10% out of the time that I've been working in this world. Wow. Um, majority of my role, and it might just be the clients that I've worked with, but majority of my role, it's female dominated. So um, 
I really, I, I haven't had any issues with male clients at all. Um, but again, I've, I've interacted with them maybe 10% of the time. Okay, good. That's excellent. That's excellent. So is there, would, would you say there's anything that's like a um, memorable success story um, where your expertise made a significant impact on the client's business where they're like, kudos to you, where we're going to stick with you all, but we want Dominic to lead this because of um, her expertise? Um, maybe not anything that like specific. I, we get a lot of general kudos for our team as a whole. Um, to be honest, like I don't hear too many instances where they call out any of us individually. I guess the closest thing I could get to that would be, again, having my repeat clients just come directly back to me because I ran a project well. Um, and I, I mean, I do get a lot of like thank yous from clients, but nothing that I think overall impacted like the business as a whole. Um, but a project that just went, went really well, or like at least that I felt good about, um, we had a project that we needed to create an advertisement for the client requests. Um, and it was going to appear in a pro sports game. Um, it wasn't really a, well, it was a kudos. Like she definitely said, thank you, but we got to actually see it live. Like she sent us the video and thanked us for all of our hard work. Um, that was probably the most memorable just because it, it was nice to see some of that work in person. Um, yeah. No, that's cool. That That's really cool. Do you ever find yourself, um, because I know I do this with the work that I do. Do you ever find yourself watching uh, television or at a, at a pro sports game or wherever, and you're sitting there saying, oh, they could have done this differently, or oh, I wonder who's behind that, whether it's positive or negative? And if so, do you start having that, do you start envision what that would look like if you were to do it or, or whatnot? Um, yes, I, I do just because of my background, not necessarily like in my current role, but my marketing, digital marketing background as a whole, like I, I do see like campaigns and things like that. And I'm either impressed or like consider different avenues that they possibly could have taken. Um, more than anything, because of my current role and my client is pretty big, I look at their competitors and compare what their competitors are doing to what my client is doing. Um, so I, I do assess that more often than uh, some, some of the what whoever could do better. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. I like that. So we know that effective communication is, cr is critical in account management. Can you elaborate on your communication strategies when dealing with clients and the key stakeholders um, within your projects? Like what are some, like, do you sit down and say, well, this is the strategy I'm going to take or um, um, overall, I'm going to communicate this because I think this will be a draw. How do you even begin to put a plan together? And I'm asking you so that people who may be interested in doing this, they can think, well, I may not be able to 
outright pay an account manager at this moment. I'm talking again, small businesses, entrepreneurs, side people with side hustles, but they could say, okay, how do I put together even a communication strategy to have to, to even have a conversation? Um, not really like a communication strategy. Again, my particular role at this moment in time is more project focused. So when we have a project request and we're going to be setting off, setting up a kickoff call, I go into it, you know, having an understanding of like what we need to ask in order to get the project done. So, um, the general questions that come up more often than not are like, when's the due date? What's your budget? Um, how many assets need to be created? Um, who are the people that need to review this before it can get approved? Um, is there a certain campaign style that we're supposed to be following? Things like that. So. I don't know how I can tailor that specifically to small businesses. Um, And most small businesses won't necessarily have an account manager on their team. You just may come into contact with an account manager if you're working with an agency. So I guess to flip that, I would say um, when you're going into a discussion with an agency that has like account managers and things like that as your point of contact to go into it having a full understanding of like what your ask is and what you need them to do. Um, That way, you know, they're able to actually make your vision come to life. They're not going to be able to do that if they don't know what it is you're actually looking for. So the more specific you can be, the better. Um, But I think there's also a little bit of flexibility based on the capability of the agency that you're going to. Um, so you can't go to an agency that doesn't know how to animate things if you're looking for an animation, or maybe they know how to animate one way versus another. Um, so just having like a full idea of what it is you're looking for that way. One, you're going to the right person and two, you're able to communicate that to them so they can get it done. So if I'm, if I'm hearing correctly and correct me if I'm wrong, and I'm sure you will, Is a lot of this centered around a person's brand? Yes. In what way? If I can ask that. Um, Because most companies, small business or not, like you should have an idea of what your brand looks like and what you want someone who's looking at your website or your commercial or anything like that. Like they know that it's you and what it is your brand is about. So um, for example, like. Use me for an example. um, (laughs) You're like, come on, mom. (laughs) No, (laughs) I I was trying to think of something that's a little more like uh, (laughs) universal or like obvious. Okay. So, for example, I'm still trying to get some free advice too. So, <laughs> um, so for example, when you see Chick Fil A, you know that if you see a red and white C logo or some cartoon cows on an advertisement, 
that that's a Chick-fil-A ad. Um, or when you see McDonald's and the Golden Arches, you know those Golden Arches mean McDonald's. Um, and most people and places have things like that trademarked. And like, I mean, those are like color specific examples, um, but it's the easiest way that I can communicate. Like a lot of this is based on your brand or if, if it's a brand that's all natural ingredients or things like that, like someone may choose to go with, you know, like natural earth colors or the words that they're using on their website are, um, you know, adjectives of like all natural or th things like that. So, and the reason that that's important is because you don't want someone to design something one way and then you go to someone else and they design it completely different. If you're putting out two things that look completely different, if they look completely different, that's not necess necessarily the end of the world. But if they're saying two opposing messages, then that's going to matter and people aren't going to be able to follow what it is that you're actually trying to like put out there. Um, so your brand is important for consistency. Your brand is important for, um, you know, when you're getting your target audience and even new listeners like listening in, you want them to understand what it is that you're actually trying to communicate. Yeah. I just, I just want the uh, listeners to hear y'all see, she didn't give me that free advice. Right. So <laughs> I mean, I, it's, it's hard to put me on the spot with something. Um, I would have to sit and think about and look at everything to say, like you should do this or not. Um, I'm teasing, you know, I'm your mom, I'm teasing you, but I was just like, uh-huh, she didn't want to help her mother, but that's okay. <laughs> but you have helped, because like, for example, audience, who those of you are listening, um, there's been times that I've said, oh, I think I want to change up my logo a little bit, and she's like, no, mm -mm. she goes, consistency, three years, you're still new, you can't change it up yet. And I'm like, oh, okay. So she has helped and she puts those things out there for me. So I'm able to, to um, comprehend and it makes a lot of sense. So I choose not to do that. I'm afraid, Dominic, that some people just, they get tired of what they're doing and they just go for something different. How, how would you encourage them to just stay the course and not quickly move on to something else? Um. If you believe in what you're actually doing, I don't think necessarily a shift is necessary. Um, I think you have to really look at why you're trying to shift and if it's actually going to be beneficial. Like, don't get me wrong. Sometimes there are good reasons to switch something up or refresh something like my particular client. Um, a lot of the projects that we get are brand refreshes that they're going through where they're changing the way that something looks or they're elevating it. But even when they go through that brand refresh, they're not completely changing the look. They're just making it refreshed. Like they're, they're, they're updating it a little bit more. They're tweaking things here and there, but they're not completely shifting what it is that their brand looks like. Um, so again, I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with shifting, but you need to look at 
why you want to. And I would say don't make a drastic change. Drastic changes don't make it easy for people to follow you or find you or um, keep up with what you're doing. You still want to be like a familiar face to your audience. Yeah, this is like the makes me think of the refresh we did with the news and motion introduction, the in, the uh, intro, and even the first time through, we were you know you and your brother was that y'all were listening to the music, and you're like that's not it, that's not it. But even the refresh, just that small little change, people absolutely love it. Um, it was just bringing something fresh. So I, I hear what you're saying there. All right. In the time that we still have remained, not much time. What advice would you give to aspire, to aspiring um, account managers? And then how can they excel in their roles once they get there? Um, I actually just had this conversation with um, a Howard student maybe last week. Yeah, last week. Um if you're in college, I would just encourage you to like do as many internships as you can. Um, that's one thing I wish I would have done a little bit more. I did intern when I was in school, but I think I would actually be further along if I had, you know, pinpointed a role that I actually wanted to go into um, and kind of stuck with that earlier on. So when you intern and you get some of that experience, it gives you a better idea of where you want to go and who you want to work for. Um, And then once you get into the role that you actually want, I would just encourage you to like find a mentor and always continue to like progress. I'm good at what I do, but there's a ton that I don't know. Um, and I'm always talking to my manager, getting advice or um, taking my complaints even and trying to figure out like how to make things better. That way, even if I was to go into another role somewhere else, like I know exactly what I'm looking for um, and and how to make the opportunity better. But even listening to you, um, I'm proud of you. Um, but even listening to you, I just want the listeners to know um, your that that comment, the way you answered that question to me speaks maturity. Do you think that people may not be as mature in the beginning of their career so they don't know how to na- navigate the path? And if so, what what type of advice would you give them to slow down, to pay attention and then move forward? Not not to be so emotional behind some of their moves. Um, I mean, yes, people are not as mature when you're first going into something. Um, and don't get me wrong, I'm still very emotional about my decisions even to this day. But I mean, I think you said it, like slow down and actually take the time to like process what it is that you want. Um, but I think the flip side of that is understanding that you're not going to come out the gate right away and get the exact job that you want. Um, especially in my role, like it's very hard to just be like an experienced hire without the experience. Um, so even my manager's role or, um, 
like our uh, account director or our account VP, like they got there based off of time put in and um, knowledge and experience of just being on the account that I'm on for as long as they have. Um, I do think there are opportunities to move up once you're in there, but you have to kind of show that you deserve to be in that position and that you have taken the time to really like understand the client and the account that you're working on and you're contributing opportunities for things to um, improve or grow. It it takes time. (laughs) Yeah. Are there any extra, not, I don't want to say extra curriculum. Are there things that you do outside of your day-to-day, like to get more experience? For example, do you attend classes? Do you do webinars just to, do you read different books just to keep growing and learning? Or do you do that from um, the mentors that you seek out or your manager that you seek out and so forth? Um, A little bit of both. I, I mean, my company that I work for offers like LinkedIn learning classes that they pay for. Um, or I believe even opportunities for you to get like certifications. But while that's great, and I mean, I do take the time to do things like that. I would be lying if I said majority of the growth and knowledge comes from actually working on the projects. Um, I, I would I would be lying if I said it, it didn't come from that. So I, I would say while all of that is great um, and I think it helps you be well-rounded, like, again, you really have to experience working hands-on with these things to really understand, which is why my advice to people who are in college is to intern and actually go out there and do the work um, because that's, that's where you're going to get all your knowledge from, like, even in school, some of the classes that I had that were directly related to my role now, like it's great reading about it, but until I was really thrown into it, I didn't fully understand. And even when I first started at this job, um, starting out, like my original manager, she had me like reading materials and things like that, which like, it was great. But the minute I started working on actual projects, I was lost (laughs) Um, and it was a lot of asking questions and understanding and making mistakes and learning from them and moving forward that got me to where I am right now. Wow. I love that. Um, I know you told me not to ask you, but I'm asking anyway, this is politics and prose and we read books in this show. So what book have you read over the past year or two that you just, just love that you would possibly pick up again and you share it with someone else. Yeah. She's going to kill me for this, but you know, got to stay the beat. I mean, if I'm being completely honest, I have not really read a book fully through in at least a year and a half. Um, I don't have a chance to read as much right now. Um, and I would like to, but I just, the way that, my life has been moving at the moment. I don't really sit down or take the time to do so. So I can I answer that question? You can't answer. Is there a book that you desire to read? 
that you just don't have time nothing that comes to my mind i mean i have books like written down here and there that i plan on tuning into but like i i don't know those off the top of my head all right i'm, I'm gonna let you have that because i do know how busy you are and, I, and all that makes sense y'all she's not just making that up she really is that kind of busy so let me ask this question then since we can't really ask that one what are, what are your thoughts on book banning? How schools and libraries are banning books. I don't agree with it. I mean, I think, you know, trying to limit um, anyone from being able to access materials is wrong, whether you agree with what's in it or not. Um, <clears throat> and to be honest, what you ban from schools, like, I mean, you can't ban from outside of the school. So they're, they're still going to have access to it. So I, I think it's doing work um, just to try and prove a point, but I, I don't agree with it. Wow. Thanks for saying that. All right. I got to ask this last question. What do you find most rewarding um, about where you are as a um, African-American female in this stage of your life? What do I find most rewarding? Like about my career or just in general it, it, i want to hear if you don't mind i would love to hear both your career and in general um in my career i find it rewarding when my like leadership so those who are above me actually listen to me and take my advice um because i think there are a lot of times where higher ups don't necessarily listen to the people who are under them because they feel like they know everything. But um, I, like I said, I have a really, really good relationship with my manager. So when we're able to like talk and bounce ideas off of each other or when she comes to me for advice on how I think something should go, I find that rewarding. Um, <clears throat> In my life, what do I find rewarding? The fact that I'm under 30 and I own a house. <laughs> I love that. I love that. <laughs> that was a big goal of mine. Um, coming from someone who didn't have like the best finances starting out, uh, I think everybody makes their like college mistakes and things like that. And I moved to New York, which is one of the most expensive places to live, but being able to come from that and being in a position to like own my own house, especially before I'm 30 is rewarding. Yeah. I'm, I'm celebrating that with you. I think that's just absolutely awesome. So, well, Dominic, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for joining your mother on politics and prose. Um, if anybody wanted to like reach out to you about, you know, career, if they're in college or, even in high school, is there any way they can connect with you on LinkedIn? Um, yeah. Or them to reach you another way? LinkedIn would probably be the best, although I do um, tend to not be on LinkedIn all the time. If you can't reach me on LinkedIn, I would say my email, which is just my first name, middle initial R, and then my last name at gmail.com. So Dominic R. Dudley at gmail.com. Yes. Right. And that my name is spelled with a Q, not a C. Yep. D-O-M-I-N-I-Q. 
So Dominic R. Deadly at gmail.com. And um, if they happen to find you on LinkedIn, that's the same. It's spelled the same. I know it's spelled the same, but do you use the R or not on LinkedIn? No, it's just Dominic Dudley on LinkedIn. Um, I try to check my requests as much as possible, but <laughs> sometimes I just don't get on LinkedIn. So no, and that's understandable. I mean, we're there's so many there's so many social media sites. It's ridiculous. Um, well, thank you so much, daughter. Anything. Yeah. All right, you all. That's Politics and Pros once again. Um, we hope you have a great week. Have a great weekend. Um, just to let everyone know, in the month of November, we're going to really promote books, new authors. And when we say new authors, we're talking about authors who have been out there three years or less. There's also an opportunity for authors to join me on the podcast during the month of November, uh, where you can promote your book. In addition to that, we're doing a crazy special for running advertisements on News in Motion. Uh, just go to newsinmotionwithgail at gmail.com and request the information. And if you look in the description, the information will be there as well. Um, there's only space for 15 authors. So make sure you jump on that immediately. Um, if you do an audio uh, uh, audio ad. We're talking no more than 60 seconds. It has to be professionally done. And we can all do those. If you have an iPhone or a Samsung or iPad or Mac, you should be able to do that without any problem. If you want to do a, a trailer, a video trailer, again, 60 seconds, but it has to be professionally done. Again, just make sure you get it edited and so forth. But we're looking for 15 authors. Please don't wait. Don't wait. Don't wait. Don't wait. We're going to kick this off on November the 1st, which is International Author Day. So thank you all for tuning in. Y'all know what I say. Stay well and remember to make some bold moves and live your life in abundance. We are out. New episodes air on Fridays. Make sure to follow Gail on Instagram, Twitter, and post.news at Gail Dudley. And subscribe to her YouTube www.youtube.com slash Gail Dudley. Tune in to be informed and make sure to subscribe to Politics and Pros wherever you listen to podcasts so that you don't miss an episode. 